today on Ag News Daily. All right, the U.S. exports are going to be strong because Argentina had a problem and Brazil looks like they're going to have a problem if that crop keeps getting smaller. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Hannah Pagel, bringing you the Ag News Daily podcast on this July 23rd. I am also joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, how are you doing today? Not too bad at all, Hannah Pagel. It's it's sunny, it's cool, it's perfect weather for corn to start filling some kernels. It's perfect weather to mow the yard, which I did earlier this morning, so I'm in pretty good place. That's good news, and yeah, it's we're getting into county fair season, so I'm very excited that this cooler weather is, you know, approaching just so that way it's not too hot on the livestock and not too hot on the people who are working with them. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And Hannah, it's just going to be you and I throughout this whole week while Delaney is down in Colombia. I know. I'm excited to hear about her adventures down in Colombia and uh, see what she has to bring back with us. I think she'll be joining us on Monday, so we'll at least get her one day out of the out of this week. So that's good news. Yeah. Isn't today Monday? Oh, I meant to say Friday. I, I don't oh, even know what gotcha. day it she is. comes back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're you're as bad as I I am, Hannah. Geez, we gotta have one of us know what day it is. <laughs> well, whatever day it is, today we are going to be talking to Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk for Market Monday. But before we get into that, Hannah, shall we talk Ag News? Let's do that. What's jumping out to you for Ag News, Mike? You know, so the big piece of news I have is coming up a little bit later this week, the uh, international ministers are going to be meeting from Mexico and the United States. And there is talk that they are going to start using this period to kind of revamp and sort through issues related to NAFTA. We had uh, the Mexican economy minister, Ildefonso Guajardo, say that hopefully we can, quote, This will be an opportunity to bed down a series of open issues, which are not numerous, but which are very complex. And uh, Robert Lighthizer was in agreement with that. So this might be some progress under the radar on NAFTA, which I think is good news. That is good news. And, you know, speaking of Robert Lighthizer, you know, he is going to be testifying on Thursday about all of this trade discussion that's going on in um, before a Senate panel. So that's something that we can keep our ears open to um, for Thursday. Yes, we'll have to keep that on our radar screen for sure. Any big news jumping out at you today, Hannah? Well, it looks like the Senate is planning to name its farm bill negotiators this week, which will hopefully clear the way for some talking to begin with House members But it looks like, I don't know if any discussion will get done before the House members take on their uh, August recess, but it looks like the House named 47 conference committee members last week, and then the Senate is expected to have just seven. Have you read in on this at all, Mike? Yeah, I I think that's uh, that's the number I've seen. Is that, okay, in in my opinion, isn't that kind of skewed, like 47 House representatives and then only seven Senate members? How does that work? You know, I I don't have a calculator handy, but I wonder, so there's, what, 335, no, 435 members of the House and only 100 senators, so they should get four times more, four and a half times more. Seven, that would be, what's seven times four? Uh, 28. 28. 
Yep. And how many did they get? 40-something? Yeah, the House has, yeah, 28 conference committee members. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I don't understand, D.C. I don't either. But, hey, you had some really good math right there. Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty smart. Pretty smart indeed, (laughs) Hannah. For a history major, you're good with numbers, so. (laughs) Okay, so we've got them coming. Hopefully we'll get maybe some progress made on the farm bill, but probably not, as you mentioned, House heading into their August recess. That's right. All right. Well, I've got a little bit of news here. This was something that uh, kind of dropped off my radar last week, happened last Thursday. A, A panel in Ohio The uh, Ohio Soil and Water Conservation Commission voted to delay John Kasich's uh, executive action or executive order, I should say, to tighten up regulations for on-farm nutrient management. Basically, he wanted to allow his ag director to declare eight watersheds in Ohio in distress, and it would have impacted about 7,000 different farmers. And basically, they could have the state then could have done anything from you know, monitoring how much nitrogen was applied, perhaps putting caps on various amounts of soil nutrients. That's been delayed. Uh, It was delayed last Thursday. We don't have a date at which they will pick it back up. But for now, Ohio farmers can breathe a little easier. Uh, It won't be turning into the Chesapeake Bay watershed anytime soon. So that's, I think, good news from a production ag standpoint. Most certainly that is. Going over into more of the environmental side of things, it looks like um, some feds have released proposals to limit uh, their reach of the endangered species list. So it looks Mm. like they're going to be trying to take off some animals or they're just going to revise this. And it's been getting some, you know, applause by some, you know, some groups who have been working against those uh, provisions in years past, but it's been getting a lot of you know, backlash from environmental groups, and it looks like it would eliminate long, long-standing long regulatory pro- prohibition on considering economic impacts when listing species. It will remove conservation protections for threatened species. It kind of seems like, I kind of feel like some uh, animals, they're just like, you know, thrown onto the list, and they might be okay, but some of them, like, you know, really need to be you know, considered yeah. endangered. So I guess this is kind of a 50-50 in, in my opinion. So Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, the environmental species list has certainly, portions of it have become political. You've got environmental groups nominating various critters for political reasons, not necessarily uh, environmental. And then you've got folks on the other side hoping to get critters pulled off the endangered species list so they can, you know, do whatever they want to do. So yeah, it's a it's a mixed bag, and there's always going to be folks for and against it. And, eh, I don't know. I just think what we need to do as a country, Hannah Pagel, what we is need that? to get white-tailed deer <laughs> to a small enough number that they're on the endangered species list. You and deer. I, I know you're I not hate a them. huge... I, honestly, my life, I, I've been struggling trying to find a purpose for life, and I think mine is going to be the eradication of the white-tailed deer. But you're not a hunter, is that correct, Mike? No, because here's here's the I, I I support absolutely support killing them in every sense in in every way possible. The problem I have with hunting is once I shoot it, then I got to do something with it, like eat it or at least drag it out of the field. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I, I dislike them so much. I don't even want to have anything to do with that. But I support other people going and hunting them. Okay, well, well. 
we'll see how that goes for you, you know, in the future years. On Facebook and Twitter at Ag News Daily, if you want to join my campaign to get rid of deer, the rats of the prairie, disease spreading <laughs> vermin that they are. Oh, uh, actually. Hannah, and that's kind of a neat segue right into my next thing. You go hunting for deer. People also go hunting for houses. And that has been a challenge for people. This is kind of more of a broad economic piece of news. But home sales fell for the third straight month in June, basically because there's just not enough for sale. And so that's doing two different things. One, it's making it difficult to find a house. And two, it's making it a lot more expensive to buy buy a house and home prices have touched their highest recorded price in history in the month of June. So they're higher than prices are higher now than they were before the recession and the housing crisis of 2008. What does that mean? I don't know. Selling a house then, wouldn't it be? Absolutely. And it's good news, I think, for homeowners generally because it's part of the wealth effect. They feel like they have a little more money. Their house is worth a little bit more. Maybe they're going to grow out and spend a little bit more on a fancy meal. Get a get a high-end pork chop or a high-end steak and uh, celebrate that way. Yeah, that's one way to celebrate. So, Mike, do you have any other news today otherwise i just have one more piece to touch on break it down for us what do you got okay so it looks like nearly 150 scientists from a dozen different fields have joined together to identify five major research subject subjects to tackle by the year 2030 so these they've identified the research projects that these researchers are going to be tackling in the next coming years and they are the potential of microbiomes, um, primarily in the animal gut and soil. So they're looking at trying to increase efficiency and overcome obstacles in production with microbiomes. And the other one that they're looking at doing some more research on is, of course, um, gene editing, um, especially with CRISPR technologies and how they can accelerate the evolution of food production They are also looking at expanding and analyzing many pools of data involved in growing and producing food. So I think that the the second and third one there kind of go hand in hand. And then the last two are developing and improving sensors and biosensors across all agricultural sectors to increase productivity and better target interventions. And then the last one is examining um, transdisciplinary collaborations, uh, looking at the entire systems in food production and finding the keys to adapting and transforming them to uh, overcome challenges and increase production. So they all kind of tie in together, but I found it kind of cool that, you know, 150 scientists, you know, are jumping on the bandwagon to all work together to tackle these, these key issues. Absolutely. And I don't know much about many of those issues, but if folks are interested in the microbiome, tune in for tomorrow's Hashtag Tech Tuesday episode, because we'll we'll talk about that a little bit with our uh, with our interview. That's right. Do you want to touch a little bit on who our interview is? Tomorrow it is with Indigo Ag. So it will definitely be a good discussion talking about, uh, you know, maybe some seed treatments that uh, you need to consider. That's right. Well, Mike, any other news, or do you want to jump into markets? That's the only news I got left is the prices, Hannah. So I'll jump right into that so we can get to our interview with Garrett Toy. 
Our markets are brought to us by our good friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, get in touch with our friends at Zaner to put a marketing plan in place. You can reach them by phone at 312-277-0050 or find them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. We've got mixed trade in the grain complex today with corn higher and beans a little weaker. Looking at the corn contract, the September was up two cents at 357 and a quarter. December up two and a quarter to close at 371 and a quarter. In soybeans, the August was down two cents at 847 and three quarters. November down two, finished the day at 862 and three quarters. In Chicago wheat, September down two and a quarter cents at 513 and three quarters. December down three quarters of a cent to close the day at 532 and a quarter. We also have mixed trade in live cattle contracts. The August was down 20 cents at 108.7250. The October up 35 cents, finished at 110.60. And weakness in feeder cattle, the August contract down 42.5 cents at 153.25. The September down 22.5 cents, closed at 154.3250. And mixed trade in lean hogs, with the August contract down 2.5 cents at 66.4250. The October up a dollar thirty-five, finished the day at fifty-two sixty-two and a half. And a quick look at the dairy markets in Class Three milk. That July contract about to expire, unchanged on the day at fourteen nineteen. The August up four cents, finished at fourteen sixty-five. Before we jump to our interview with Ag Trader Talks Garrett Toy, let's get a word from our friends at Latham High Tech Seeds. With us again this week is Phil Long, the agronomic specialist at Latham High Tech Seeds. And Latham has folks with boots on the ground throughout the growing season, keeping track of what's going on in the crops and in the fields. And Phil, you've been out. What have you seen? What's jumping out at you this year? Yeah, it seems like there's not a lot of things overtaking crops yet, but we're right at that point where it's getting to the point, you know, we want to be considered a fungicide if that's the case. And one, one disease that's been jumping out, it's a really distinctive one. For those that have seen it, it's called Physoderma brown spot. Uh, it shows up as a kind of a purple or kind of chocolate-colored brown spots right in the midriff of the leaf and even can show up on the stalk of the plant, uh, on the corn plant. So it's, it's a very diagnostic disease, uh, a fungal disease that can be treated with a, with a fungicide around our one time period. You just got to check and make sure that those labels are, are labeled for Physoderma brown spot. Make sure that you're you're diagnosing the disease correctly. It can be misdiagnosed. Uh, southern rust as well as eye spot can kind of look similar in terms of, of leaf symptoms. Um, but, but but a fungicide and some good rotation and even maybe some tillage might be necessary to help help with control. All right, folks, keep all that in mind. And always remember, Latham High Tech Seeds has expertise across the Midwest. And to put that to work on your farm, give them a shout at 877-GO-LATHAM or visit the website at LathamSeeds.com. Well, it is Hashtag Market Monday, and joining us back on the program is Garrett Toy. He's the owner of Ag Trader Talk and a partner in First Choice Commodities. He's an Illinois farm boy. Garrett, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Hey, thanks for having us. Now, we got to kick it right off the bat here, taking a look at the grain markets. I want to start by looking at corn. We're up two cents today, Garrett. Holy buckets. Yeah, we, we are... Uh, we are we are we are on a streak. Uh, we've definitely, you know, the old crop spreads are kind of lagging in here a little bit, which is kind of be expected with you know once you get through pollination. But 
Uh, we've had a significant move in the new crop corn spreads, and that kind of leads some credence that we might have forged at least the near-term bottom, um, at least fundamentally. Uh, the, the biggest issue that we had going into it is that the, they were just, the new crop spreads are just exceptionally cheap considering everything that was going on in Brazil and Argentina, and, and, and this, this rally in wheat has, has helped uh, uh, turn the focus perhaps to Ukraine corn production. But, um, you know, near term, you know, the market bounced off the 350 area. Um, you know, historically, you know, SEP corn does not like to trade below, you know, 361 a whole heck of a lot until maybe late August. Um, and we got there fairly early, and some of that was impacted because of beans and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, you know, market looks sound structurally. Weather, you know, the, the, the weather is, is maybe turning here. It just, you know, I don't really like the cool. It's from a bullish standpoint. I don't necessarily like the cooler, uh, the the cooler forecast for last half of July, early August, because that that does you know look for um, you know better for the fill period. It may may lend some help to the saving some yields in here a little bit. But the question is, is you know, is it too little, too late for some areas as well? You know, is the areas of Missouri that were they've been chopping corn for. For 10 days, you know, yeah. it's, it's not going to matter if it's going to cool down in late July or August or not. And, Garrett, we can circle back and talk weather because we do still have quite a bit of summer left ahead of us. But you mentioned something. You're watching the new crop corn spreads, and you mentioned they're getting a little more bullish. When you right. say that, what are you looking at? What can our listeners what should they, when they pull up their markets, what does that mean, new crop corn spreads? Well, I mean, just for example, like the East July corn spread, you know, just as little as, you know, last week. Um, you know, we were trading out wider than 25 cents, and you know, Friday we traded inside of 23 cents, and and the the East July, um, you know, for example, you know, we were trading in levels. You know, the last two years we weren't trading you know wider than 25 until late August, early September. You know, and and we were already trading those levels in mid July, so we were a month ahead of time. So basically what that implied is that, you know, kind of, you know, the, the market mantra of it, you know, the, the 180 put it in the bin, you know, type corn yield, you know, yeah, I mean, the corn spreads kind of, kind of implied that, you know, is that, you know, the, the crop is made and sort of thing. Um, but this bounce that we've seen, this two, three cent bounce here in corn spreads, you know, it, it may show you that the market's trying to take, take notice. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, it's, you know, it's, it's short covering, uh, that they kind of drove it. It's a significant move, but the market was well aware of pollination. Is you know, it, I don't know if the the the, uh, the cooler temps were necessarily in the market or not, but it seems like you know it it might be the, the tail wagging the dog as far as this wheat market is concerned. Is that mm. you know the idea is that all right, the U.S. exports are going to be strong because Argentina had a problem and Brazil looks like they're going to have a problem if that crop keeps getting smaller. Well, now you've got this this drought in Europe that's impacting the wheat crop. Um, it's also impacting their corn crop a little bit, and, and there's ideas that maybe that Ukraine, you know, who is you know also the you know number you know top four corn exporter in the world, you know, maybe tied up supplying Europe with corn instead of being able to get some of their exportable supply because their corn crop is somewhat questionable as well um, because of drought issues. So, you know, that what that technically does is. It, it probably means that the U.S. corn export number is, is going to get more solid for new crop, which means that we, you know, we maybe we need to get that 180 type number to, if, if Ukraine's going to be tied up supplying the EU with corn. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. Um, it just you know it doesn't seem like you know because for the most part you know we got through pollination you know we had some heat and then it cooled off fairly. We, we got through pollination okay. I know there were some areas that had some yeah. issues. You know, and then the market reacted, um, and and uh, it seems to be that it might be following more in this European situation than anything. Now, are are you using that 180, 179, 180 number as your benchmark heading into uh, this midsummer period? Oh no, um, I think that's. I mean, I've been. I mean, even early May, you know, when you looked at the S and Ds. The, the funny thing about it is, is that that <laughs> you look at the S and Ds, and then you do a hypothetical from a bullish standpoint or a bear standpoint. And, you know, you, you know, early May I wrote, and I'm like, you know, from a bullish standpoint, you don't want to get 180, you know, because that puts your carryout back to last year. Well, then where'd the market go? Immediately the first condition report came out, boom, market thinks 180, you know. So so it's like, it, you know, that's the number the market goes to that there's no problems. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't... I, I don't at this point until we know more on weather. I, I don't think that you deviate much from the USDA's number at this mm. point. I mean, I'm definitely not in the the, the high 180 type numbers or the the high 170 type numbers uh, by any means. I mean, you know, I, I think you're in a oh 174 to you know 177 type number. You know, I mean, plus or minus out here. You know, um, you know, I, I'm but obviously that can that's going to change. And the next thirty to forty-five days, just to see how this weather plays out. And Garrett, I have another question for you about corn. So I've been doing some reading online, and you know, throughout this summer, corn prices have been under some pressure, and they really haven't seen much movement. And some of the reports that I was reading about claim that corn is being undervalued. And so my question is, like, do you think corn is being undervalued in this market, or you know, what is making this commodity struggle? Well, I mean, obviously, I, mean, I think 90% of it is the bean market. You know, um, it, it's the the trade impacts on beans. Um, you know, when the bean market, you know, corn has had a, a the corn and the wheat markets have had a, a fundamental story all year. Um, and you you've you've had some the, the strong conditions that have helped you know maybe point the trade towards that 180 number that Mike was talking about. But overall, between you know the issues that I, I lined out between uh, you know the, the export demand and, and, and tight world coarse grain demand uh, or uh, stock use. I mean the corn story was there, but when the soybean market broke, you know two dollars and fifty cents or two dollars, um, you know that kind of reset the goalposts. I mean you can't have you can't have four forty corn and, and eight fifty beans. You know so um, you know that that was the biggest problem. You know. I, you know Prior media engagements. I mean, even when we were above 1050, I thought we'd get to 950. I didn't think we'd get to 850. Yeah. So I mean, perhaps that that extra dollar is is, is trade war impacts. Um, but we've been down here a lot longer than I thought we would as well. So um, you know, I, what happens is when you when you had the bean market collapse the way it was, it just kind of resets the goalposts um, that you know to to get the ratios back to where where you are. That being said, beans are still struggling versus corn, versus corn because you've, you know, we're through the reproductive phase in, in corn right now. We traded the soy corn ratio new crop to new lows again today. So, um, and, and if you look at, you know, for the last week to 10 day of the price action, you know, the corn and wheat, wheat rallies have, you know, acted really well as far as price action is concerned. And, and the soybean market has kind of struggled, 
you know, and um, and 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 that's it would lead to believe that while corn shows signs it may have bottomed and we're and it's trying to divorce itself a little bit from the bean market, it it kind of looks like the the bean market's you know not going to go anywhere for a while. Well, and that's the thing, Garrett. We look back over last week. I, I believe all five days last week we saw beans close higher. Today we're kind of back to that old move. We're down two-ish cents on the day in new crop, no contract beans. Did we reach kind of an intermediate pullback here? Are we just going to be trading, call it 840 through 870? I think so. I mean, I think what happened is, is you know, two weeks ago we had that, we well, that was the, you know, two weeks ago Friday we had uh, the announcement of the additional tariffs, and then that following week we had that just absolute, bloodbath in the commodity markets and then we we recoup that i think what happened is the, the, the break two weeks ago was an overreaction we ran out of we ran out of sellers this past week is this this past you know last week was the 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 proverbial bounce and over you know correction from the overreaction and now we just kind of you know chop around and maybe try to you know right now we're at fair value and we reassess and see where we go from here you know the point the the fact of the matter is is beans are still well you know corn is is getting back towards that you know July 1st high or that June you know July 6th high 374 we were within 2 cents of that today but you know you look at no you know beans we're still 30 cents away from that July 6th high you know so the the rally in corn has been you know you know more proof positive than the than the soybean rally per se you know because we haven't even you know done a 50% replacement of the of the July break. Now, that being said, as either a spec play or as a re-ownership play, should guys be buying beans down in here? Um I, I think you have to. I mean, it, it's 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 a it's a double-edged sword. I mean, from a from a hedge standpoint, a farmer who has revenue protection, uh crop insurance, you know, the risk about this whole thing is that at some point at three o'clock in the morning, there's going to be a tweet saying everything's everything's we've come to an agreement. Blah 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 blah. Markets limit up by five o'clock. By the time people wake up at you know or hit the desk at five thirty six o'clock, you don't even stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I think there's some risk there, and there's some cheap option plays where um, you can try to lock in some crop insurance revenues. Um, but should we rally, that that is the proverbial risk. If you're hedged, you know, there's really nothing you have to do. The thing I would watch, though, is, um, you know, soybeans are typically a cash crop, right? You know, most producers will mm-hmm. store their corn, and they'll sell beans across the scale. It's going to be interesting to see this fall how much across-the-scale soybean sales we see. I think, you know, the, the market's giving them carries. Um, you know, we've, we're going to have a, a smaller corn crop maybe a smaller bean crop we don't know what we're going to have for beans yet but we're definitely going to have a tighter carry out in corn um but as far as space availability producers may be more inclined to store beans so they want to pay attention to their to their their their, their spreads if that's the case at some point from a commercial standpoint that's that's fine at at the beginning because i mean the stocks report implies the commercial still owns quite a bit if not all of the remaining old crop beans um, so that can get them through. We're still going to have an export book with China, with, without China. 
Um, you know, so at some point the commercial is going to have to come and, and buy beans, and that's a risk for them that if, if they need to buy beans to fill an export book, crush isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, that, that the producer is going to stand on beans or store beans rather yeah. than sell them across the scale, then things could get a little bit interesting. And the other aspect of it is we still have, you know, little corns, you know, you know, seventy-five percent through its reproductive stage. I mean, we still have dang near a hundred percent of the, the soybean reproductive stage in front of us. And forecast at this point, you know, they're they're cool, but they're dry. You know, yep. and, and that that can change. You know, obviously, when we get a shot of rain here and there. Right now, it looks like it's going to be the southwestern corn, or the southwestern belt, Kansas. Some areas are going to get some rain, but you know, at some point, the trade is going to want to see some rain. You know, develop here, and and I think we get at least one, maybe two more. You know shots of of supply focus here before harvest some excitement before we get those combines running i i think so i mean the, the you know corn and wheat are holding up the, their end of the deal um i'm not really sure what the bean market wants to do i mean we've last week we saw you know for the last nine months that the trade has been you know long meal short oil share you know or, you know um you know short soybean oil versus long meal we saw some of that liquidation this, this past week and then last week even while beans rallied, the the meal market kind of struggled. I mean, we've broken the crush market uh, with 20, 30 cents off its highs. I mean, it's still a phenomenal crush rate, but I mean, some of these intermarket um, relationships are starting to you know unwind or, or, or correct per se. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it. I really don't think you know. And now and we also get in the game where you know when's when's the uh, when's the the trade agreement going to end or when's the trade war going to end? And yeah, and and I've seen people have said October first. I mean, I, I don't. That's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. And when you're looking at trying to buy, you know, a call or a spec play or a, or a risk management play to protect crop insurance, which you know the only reason the own calls unless you know, at this point it would be that, you know. What there's risk there. I mean, do you buy Novembers? Do you buy Januarys? Do you buy Marches? You know, you know what? You know, how, where, where do you want to put that? You know, that that uh, that bet. You know, right, right. Where are you going to lay your money down on the right, table? Right, exactly. Now, Garrett, we've been talking grains. We got to get into livestock. We had a cattle on feed report last Friday. We had the cattle inventory report. Both showed huge numbers, largest uh, number of calves in feedlots, I believe, since '96. You know, largest cow herd, uh, largest cattle inventory since '07, I believe. Now, we saw some mixed trade today. Uh, you know, divided trade in mixed trade in the live cattle complex. Overall, it, it appeared to be worth what the market was expecting. Yeah, the market is, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the old saying is if you can, if you can, uh, I don't know if you can necessarily per se say that it's, it's a, a, we rally today, but you know, when you can rally off of bearish news, you know, it, it looks like things are priced in. You know, um, you know, it, I mean, I think the last time we talked, we talked about when the, the, you know, the proverbial wall of cattle, the, the, the market right now near term, I mean, it tells me, uh, you know, the, the, for the fat cattle, we, we struggle above 111, you know, 110, 111, that's the highs. Until we can see signs that we, we need to be above those levels or the, you know, the cash can help, you know, maybe yeah. find, find something in here and, and warrant a move back above, you know, this 110 to 111 level, you know, we're not, we're not going to go it. But, you know, we have a, you know, defined uptrend in this market. Um, it just, question is, is are we starting to run out of steam here a little bit? Um, you know, and we've got cattle placements, we've got, you know, cattle coming, 
Um, and I think seasonally we're starting to, you know, get into the period where we're going to have a little bit more supplies come in here. Uh, you know, it, it just makes you kind of wonder if we don't go back and try to retest that bottom end of the range here, um, you know, unless cash can show something. But it doesn't mean, you know, the, the one-day reaction post-report per se, um, you know, you know, tells the story of the, the battle versus the war. Um, but I would like I would like to see cattle get back above this 111 number and, and sustain some some strength there and with some support with cash try to get back up that 113 1, 115 type level. So Garrett, my question for you is if I, I want to talk kind of livestock in general. So we mm-hmm. have live cattle, we have lean hogs, and right now there is big talk with lab grown meat. It's just becoming a, a big hot topic right now and how we're going to regulate that. And even though lab-grown meat is not on the market right now, what can you tell us about how that product could impact the market for live cattle and lean hogs in the future? That's a very good question. I think ultimately, you know, it's being developed. I mean, I don't know, again, the time frame on it. Ultimately, I think people are going to – it all depends on the level of adaptation for it. Um, Yeah, it's being developed. Yeah, it's, it's down the pipeline. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have, uh, a certain segment of the populace that, that will be willing to adapt it early because they're already either vegan or, or, uh, vegetarian to begin with. Um, but as far as the population as a whole, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that it's going to be an, um, a, a major impact right away. Um, I think ultimately, in my experience, you know, whenever these have these new products, you have you know at least three to five years of early adapters um, before it necessarily gets um, um, into the mainstream, and then ultimately after that, it's going to be ten years. Um, and it, you know, if those type of timelines continue, I mean, it's it's not a, a major impact on the front end of the curve per se, but it's something to be aware of. It seems like we're getting more. Um, publicity perhaps for it than what you know reality as far as a demand impact may be um and and i don't think it's you know i don't think it's going to you know big picture you know the the growth that you're seeing in, in emerging markets should you know offset you know our more saturated market whatever production loss we have there that makes sense. Well, Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk and First Choice Commodities, always appreciate your insight, always appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yes, thanks for having me. Well, Mike, what do you think? I think Garrett had some great insight on today's markets and, you know, the grain uh, markets in general. So I thought that was a pretty good interview for a hashtag Market Monday. Absolutely. It's always good to get more information and get more takes on what's happening in the markets. And Hannah, if folks want to listen to past Market Monday conversations, they want to, you know, verify what Garrett said last time he was on, where should they go to hear all of our episodes? Well, folks, if you want to find our whole archive of podcasts, you can head to our website at www.agnewsdaily.com. Or if you want to quickly go straight to today's or recent podcasts, you can head to our social media pages, Facebook or Twitter, and search Ag News Daily. And with that, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.